Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. All right, turn with us tonight to the book of Ephesians. wrestled some with which direction to go today until just a few moments ago, and it seems clear now. So Ephesians 3, chapter 14, I desire your prayers tonight. Um, confess that I'm insignificant, incapable within myself, and uh, the only word that changes is God's word, that changes us is God's word. Anything else, nothing else will work. But his word can change us if we'll let it. Um, I I spent quite some time this morning in this particular passage as I was just, I was drawing some truth from the scripture and, and I had to be honest with God that I wasn't certain that I understood them all. And, uh, he at least gave me some. And so I want to, be faithful to share that tonight and believe that's the direction he'd have us go. So I desire your prayers tonight, so pray for me. Um, Ephesians chapter number 3 is where we're reading. Verse number 14 is where we'll begin. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Father, open our hearts to this truth as we pray that you would open the truth to our hearts. We're desperate for it, and we pray that you would reveal it unto us again. Show us, Lord, in this truth, those mysteries, God, that the world cannot see through your Spirit, God, through our faith. And may it change us. May it change us. We're desperate for this help. As we pray, we ask a double portion of thy spirit, the utterance to speak it, and Lord, may it be heard. In all of this, we surrender, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, 
the Apostle Paul, he bore a burden. And uh, I don't think it ever left him. I believe it was in Corinthians when he was sharing that great list of afflictions that he had gone through. That at the very end, he simply made this statement. And he said, and then there's the burden of the church. There's the daily burden that he bore for the people of God. And we find that in the book of Ephesians, though in Ephesus, great work had been done and churches had been planted. There was certainly opposition, but it wasn't as it was in in Galatia or in Corinth. But here the Apostle Paul says to them some of the most profound truth that you'll find in all of Scripture. And he says to them that it's for this cause that every day he prays for them. That he goes unto the Father in behalf of his own children. That he calls on God, the Father of our Lord. He calls on God directly and prays for the people of God. I'm glad that there is that burden. And I, I believe that many bear it. It's not to be born of one person. Uh, Paul wasn't the only one that was burdened for the, for the people of God. I believe all of them were. The apostles, the disciples, those that have been called into that ministry, young or old, I think those that have been saved and been brought into the family of God, I believe there's a certain connection for the family of God. And for that reason, it draws us to our knees. It brings us to a place where we recognize that there are needs among us, afflictions to be born. There are things that we can help with and then things simply that we can help pray through. The apostle prays for the people of God and he says, for this cause I bow my knees to the Father. I don't know how people pray. I don't know how you pray. I don't know what brings you to prayer. But boy, we certainly need to pray. A fervent prayer. A prayer that is built not upon one's prosperity, but upon our loss. One that looks around us and recognizes that even if it be well with me, we may have a neighbor or a friend or a brother or a sister in Christ that is suffering. A burden that says, I'll get into the ditch with you and I'll help in whatever it is that you're going through. That in whatever way I'll be willing, as he said in to the Galatians, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I believe the apostle was serious is what I'm trying to get to as I begin to share with you some profound truth in the next several verses. I want you to see that the apostle was, was sincere as he called upon God. He was earnest in his request to help the people of God. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Verse number 16, he says this, 
that he would grant you, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, I'm going to do my best to dissect this. There was a lot that he said in that one simple verse. And just to be clear, there's a semicolon at the end of that verse. The sentence itself goes on for several verses. So to unpack this one sentence, it takes several verses, and there are several, in my opinion, glorious truths that the Apostle Paul is trying to share. And what he's saying is when I pray to God, I'm not asking that God would bless you monetarily. I'm not asking that he would bless your health. I'm not asking that he would bless you with those earthly needs or or wants. No, he said, my desire for you is that he would grant you strength. As I heard the sister testifying, I, it pierced my heart and I knew immediately that God had prepared me this morning for this word. So I thought I would preach it Sunday. It was now that we needed. What Paul was saying was, I know that you're under a load. I know that there is an op- opposition out there, that there is an enemy that comes every day. But he said, I want you to know that I'm going to the Father for you. And what I'm asking from God is not something flippant or as the world may think are necessary by a world No, he said, what I'm asking for God is that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. May I say to you today... That when the Apostle Paul was asking for the people of God, he wasn't asking for leftovers. He wasn't asking for this morning's strength. He was asking for supernatural strength to be given to the people of God according to the riches of glory. And may I add that there is no limit to the riches of God's glory. The excess of God's glory goes beyond any comprehension today. We cannot understand the extent of God's glory and the riches that they are. We've never been able to understand the glories of God nor the riches of his glories. But the Apostle Paul said, I want you to know that as I go unto God, I am praying that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. Strengthened, he said, with might. What he's saying is that what I believe that you need more than anything else is that the inner man, right, not the flesh, not the flesh. Oh, he said, but the inner man would be strengthened. 
strengthened with might. And I believe his concern there was that the people of God be fortified, that the Holy Spirit of God, which abides in each one of us, would bring to us the very strength that we need, not a little. No, what he's referring to is an extraordinary strength, a might that is great beyond measure, that is based upon the riches of God's glory. He said, what I'm praying for you is something miraculous, supernatural by the Spirit of God in the inner man that the Holy Spirit would administer unto you a strength that is filled with might. The word might meaning muscle or power. Strengthened you with strength. And I believe today that God can do that. And I believe it was the apostles, it was the apostles' desire that the people of God be strengthened by the Spirit of God in the inner man. I don't know anybody today that can't use a little strength from God. I don't know anybody that's in such a position that they need no encouragement, that they need no strengthening of heart. They need no encouragement of heart or a strengthening of mind. They need to be strengthened with the might of the Holy Spirit and through the riches of God's glory. He's praying that it be granted to us. I'm not sure how you're praying, but as I was reading this and studying this passage again today, it became clear to me that there is a need. There is a need among the people of God for a spiritual strength to be given, a strength that is growing, a strength that is multiplying. You say, preacher, you can only get so strong. I believe, friend, that there is something to be considered here, that when it comes to God, there is no limit to the strength. There is nothing that a child of God cannot go through. But we must be strengthened with might. In the inner man, by the Spirit of God, according to the riches of his glory, he is praying that we be granted this strength. May I say today that I believe every one of us need to be strengthened of God. Oh, how often we fall to the things of this world. How often we are neglectful simply through the laziness of our own flesh or mind. How often we, we, we fall victim to the things of this world when all the while greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have no excuse. There is nothing I can say except God help me, forgive me, and grant me strength with might according to your power by the Spirit of God in the inner man. We need strength today. Friend, as we go on and as it continues, I believe as the enemy rages around us, that it will become ever more important that we get strength from God. How many times have we prayed for strength? We we don't consider it, you see. We think somehow that it that that all is well regardless. But may I say to you today that we all have a tendency to get weak and there are days when we're weaker than others. May I say to us today that we need to recognize we are dependent on God and the Holy Spirit of God for the strengthening that we need uh, to face the daily things of this world. He said, I'm going to God on my knees. I am bowing my knees before the Father and I am praying that he would grant you strength. Did the people of 
this Ephesian church, did, did they really need strength according to the apostle? It was greater than what could be considered. As I thought about this, I thought, my goodness, how he must have known this people, how he must have loved them, and how he must have understood what it was that they went through and the troubles that they had endured and the enemies that they faced. And here he was saying unto them, I believe in encouragement to them that every day he was bowing his knees unto God and he was asking for a strength with muscle, a strength with power, a strength with an extra might that it might be granted unto them according to the riches of God's glory. We need strength today. Right? It's not just our sister that's requested prayer that needs strength. You need strength. I need strength. We need not the strength of this world, but our hearts need to be fortified with a spiritual might, not a mustering up of one's will or ability or one's giftedness or talents. I'm talking about something that is supernatural, that is given by God alone according to his power. We need to be strengthened by God. That is different than anything else that you can receive in this world. You will not be able to find what the apostle is praying for anywhere else but from God. A strength. A strength that has extra strength. A strength with might. A strength that is not according to the limits of man's mind. The ability of one's will but a strength that is based upon the riches of the Almighty. God help me. I need that strength. I need a strength granted unto me. You see, it's not something that I can simply will. Right? I simply can't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I can't simply get myself out of the ditch and dust myself off and carry on the cross of Christ. No, what I need is a supernatural touch from the Almighty. I need the strength from God. I bow my knees for this cause, he said. I bow my knees unto the Father. What cause? That he might grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might. Strengthened with might. By his spirit, you'll notice in the verse, it is clearly referring to the Holy Spirit himself. The apostle knowing that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. The Holy Spirit of God is ever present within us. Apparently the strength the apostle is praying for is something that must be requested because he was serious enough to say that this is the cause I bow my knees. This is the reason that I am going before the Father because what I know is that you need what God only has. That is a strength becomes a question, how do I get this strength? Where do I get this strength from? And he goes in the next several verses explaining this, expounding it in the most wonderful way. But know this, that the cause the apostle was praying, the cause that bent his knees and brought him before God in a fervent prayer for the people 
was that they might be granted strength. Strength. Bible said in verse number 17, here's the reason, the reason that we need that strength with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. As we think about the importance of having strength of heart, being strengthened by the Holy Spirit of God in such a supernatural way that Christ may dwell in your hearts. You say, preacher, I... Doesn't Christ already dwell in my heart? So I want you to think of it this way. What we, I don't believe what he's focusing on is, is Christ and his position in you. I believe what he's trying to focus our mind and their minds on was the fact that Christ needs to dwell in our heart. And when I say dwell, I believe there's a, there's a, that is a verb. And it means a living. It means an abiding. It means that, that, that there is a working through. And what we need today from the strength that we can only receive within the inner man from the Spirit of God, we have Christ that lives in us. He dwells in us. He said that Christ may dwell in your hearts, obviously by faith. Only way is by faith. The only way that that we can have this power in God is by believing in him. And yet what he said to us is that Christ needs to live through you. He needs to dwell in you. Oh, how I fear that some treat Christ as if he's that proverbial spare tire. Right? It's not that Christ rules It's that they depend on Christ when they're in trouble. It's they go to Christ when they're in dire need. They depend on Christ when there is a crisis of life. That's not what he's talking about. What the apostle said is, I want you to be strengthened in such a way that Christ begins to live in you. He begins to rule in your life. He begins to own you and dwell in you and prosper through you. I want Christ to dwell in you. Or that Christ would dwell in us. Dwell in our hearts. Christ would be everything, as the scripture said, all in all. That Christ would be the priority. Christ is God, but all that we would be changed in such a way, supernaturally, that our hearts would be filled with the might of his Holy Spirit, that we would allow Christ to dwell to rule, to live in and through you and I. Oh, that Christ might live in you, that he might live in you, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Now, before we carry on, may I say unto you, friend, the greatest grace that man has ever been given is not faith, nor is it hope in his love. I wanted to preach on that tonight. Maybe I'll get to it later, but take it for this. 
when Christ lives in us, when Christ lives through us, when he dwells truly within our hearts, here's what I can assure you is going to happen. You will love. You cannot be infilled by the Holy Christ and not love in the most wondrous of ways. That Christ may dwell in you. That being rooted and grounded in love. May I say that those two terms are, are similar. Rooted and grounded. Rooted meaning deep. Grounded meaning wide. Everything about my life should resemble the love of Christ. The love which was shown at Calvary. The love that drew salvation's plan. The love that saved and rescued man. Everything about Christ is love. And it will never be exhibited through you or me until we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit and we allow Christ to live through us. And if Christ truly reigns in our hearts, you will be rooted and grounded in love. (laughs) Now examine yourself. Right? It was easier when I started. But now as we see, as we challenge ourselves, as we see what the apostle is saying, that when Christ truly rules within a heart, there is a soul that exhibits love. It is rooted deeply in love. It is grounded in love. Oh, how often I act in envy. How often I act in strife. How often I act with jealousy. How often I act in restitution or or, or reprimand to another. How often I act without love. And it ends in the that there is an absence of Christ's dwelling through me which means I am not strong but I am weak for having been made strong with might according to the riches of God in my inner man through his Holy Spirit Christ will dwell in my heart he will, he's a lot, when we're strengthened by the Holy Spirit of God, when miraculously we are given that strength with might, we are brought to that place that we humble ourselves and surrender ourselves to the Christ of glory. And when he begins to live through us, that's when the love goes deep and that's when the love goes wide being rooted and grounded in love. See, it doesn't take me very long to find myself in error because I can look and find that there's plenty of circumstances where I did not act in love. I did not respond in love. My motives weren't of love. They were of something else. My motives were based on myself and my own selfish pride, my own selfish motivations. Those are the things that expose to me that I am not rooted or grounded in love and that Christ is not truly ruling in my heart. I need to be honest about the truth and say, Lord, strengthen me with might. Strengthen me in the inner man. Strengthen me that I might allow Christ to rule, Christ to own me, Christ to dwell in my heart. And when that happens, there will be a rooting and a grounding in love that takes place 
and a, a love that emanates from our lives and our flesh is, is drug along, kicking and screaming all the while that there is a great strength in the inner man and that strength is empowered by the love of our Father. The Christ that lives in me. And if Christ is, about, if Christ is within us, then love is the only response from us. Love is what motivates us. Love is what roots and grounds us in this world. Love. And whose love? It's Christ. Verse number 18. He said in being rooted and grounded in love, here's what will (laughs) happen. He said that you may be able to comprehend with all saints What is the depth and the length and the depth and the height? This one had me stumped. I'll just be honest. Maybe you can explain it. Maybe you've got a quick notion of what he's trying to say here. But the Apostle Paul, I want to be careful, he's not talking about anything fleshly. And yet what he said was, is he said, when you get to this place, when you get to the place that Christ begins to live through you, because you have been strengthened by his Holy Spirit and you have allowed the full ruling and ownership of the Lord Jesus Christ in you, and your life begins to prove out as it is rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start comprehending Not just you, but all the saints of God that get to this point. You will begin to comprehend with all saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the east and the west and the north and the south. I'm talking about that exactly what you said. What you're referring to is everything you may be able to comprehend what is the length and the breadth and the depth and the height. You say, what are those things? It is what is encompassed in the known things of this world. You say, where in the world is all of that knowledge contained? When we get to the place That we, by the strength of the Spirit, are rooted and grounded in love by the Christ that is allowed to live through us. We will begin to comprehend the mysteries of God. (laughs) You say, you're talking out of him. No, it's ever... It's every week or so that he reveals to me something new. You think for one minute there's anybody in this room that understands everything in this book that has been to to the vast depths of every page or every verse? No, but what I can tell you is is that when we get to the place in our service and obedience unto God that the Holy Spirit begins to live through us and through Christ in our hearts and strengthened by that Spirit, he said we will begin to comprehend the greatness of of our God.
He said, I'm talking about the deep, the high, the wide, and the long. He said, anything you want, when it comes right down to it, he said, I'm talking about everything that the word of God contains. It is in there. It is written for our benefit. It is written for our edification, for our doctrine, our reproof. The word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Brother, the word of God helps us. It is the very thing that rescues us over and over and over. He said, lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written of me. How many of us would desire to serve God better today than we did yesterday? To understand in his word. I don't know how many people have have looked me in the eye and said, I just don't understand the Bible. Oh, the Apostle Paul, I got to go back. You see, the Apostle Paul said, I'm bowing on my knees every day. You know what he knew? The Apostle Paul knew that they had everything they needed. Right? It was all right there. Now, they didn't have the book like we do. Not yet. Not then. We've got an advantage. But what the Apostle was telling them, he said, when you truly line up with God, And he said, when the Holy Spirit begins to strengthen you in a way that that Christ begins to live in you and you become rooted and grounded in love, he said, there's some things going to start opening up to you. Your mind is going to start seeing some things you've never seen before. The scripture will begin to reveal itself unto you. It's written. It's not hid. It's not a private interpretation. It is for you and it is meant to rescue you. But I'll tell you right now, This is a spiritual book. And the way that we get to the place that we comprehend the depth and the height and the width and the length of this, right? What else would he have been referring to? You reckon God wants me to know everything there is about the world? No, I I think that's irrelevant at this point. Right? As a matter of fact, he don't really care what I know about the world. What he wants me to know is about the word. The truth of God. I tell you what men and women of Christ need is a word of God planted in their heart. A vibrant tool that is working in them. Not as something that is a resource to be grabbed to. But something that is lived through them. The word of God. Powerful. In every way. And a resource that is ever new every morning. New. It's word, living and powerful. When we get to the place that, when we get to the place that Christ dwells in our hearts. We're rooted and grounded in love. He said, you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Ultimately, ultimately in verse 19, he's going to explain it for us. He said, ultimately, what I'm saying is, is that you'll know the love of Christ. Valerie's already said it, but everything in this book points to Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, everything is about one man. And that's Christ. And he said, oh, I'm praying. 
I'm praying, brothers. I'm praying, sister. I'm praying for you. That God would strengthen you spiritually. Supernaturally, that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you. That Christ might live through you. That having in your inner man that strength according to the riches of God's glory, that Christ begins to dwell in you and the love of God becomes rooted and grounded that you might be able to comprehend all of these things, all of these things, that you might know the love of Christ. I believe I'm certain that verse 18 is linked to verse 19 because 19 comes after 18. Amen. Let me give you a simple truth. Scripture interprets Scripture. Right? You say, how do you really know that what he's trying to explain in verse 18 is re- in reference to the knowledge of God? May I ask you today, where is contained the knowledge of Christ? Is this not it? Right? He said, oh, he said, when Christ begins to live in you. Right? Don't, don't look at me like you're saying, I'm checking this off, right? I'm going to go home, and tomorrow I'm going to get this done. You missed the whole point. This is something he's got to do in me. I can't do it. If it was off me, well, I'd just tie my shoes tighter and run faster. I've got to have something that's supernatural here. Paul said, I'm not praying that you get stouter in the flesh. I'm not praying that you get stouter in the mind. I'm not praying that all your enemies leave or your mountains all disappear or move. No, he said, what I'm praying for every day is that he would grant you strength. Oh, he said, a strength, not like you think. He said, but a strength that is according to the riches of the glory of God a strength with power, a strength with might, a strength that His Holy Spirit can administer unto you, a strength that comes to the people of God, a strength that is to the inner man, not the outer man. And He said, when you get this, He said, you will know, you will know that Christ becomes, that that He's allowed to dwell through you in your heart through faith that being rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the the depth and the height and the breadth and the length. Quite simply, he said, you'll be able to comprehend the love of Christ. Here's what he said in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ. Let me spend just a second on the term to know. You can look up the Greek on this one and it'll give you multiple references to what this term is used for. But one of the specific references to know is a term that is used that explains the intimate relationship between a man and a woman. You remember that when the angel spoke to Mary and told her that she would conceive 
of the Holy Spirit that, that, that Mary answered the angel and she said, how can this be seeing that I know not a man? It's the same word. What the apostle Paul says here. When he says that you'll be able to comprehend what is the, the breadth and the length, the depth and the height. He said is that you'll, you'll start to know the love of Christ. I think the love of Christ, you see, has already made quite an impact on most, many for sure. I question some because their allegiance seems to be to the world and not God. So I wonder who they love. And yet what the Apostle Paul said I'm praying for, he said I'm praying for all those things and I don't want to go through them again. Right? You've done heard them 12 times. I'm praying for all these things. He said ultimately that you might know The love of Christ. You say, no, what it means, preacher, is just that you have the knowledge of the love. No, he said in the very next statement that it passes all knowledge. No, he said, that's not what I'm talking about. No, he said, what I'm talking about is that you know the love of Christ intimately, relationally. You know the love of Christ. You cannot at this point convince me that he's not real. I know he's not dead. I know he's alive. You say, how do you know? There is an intimate relationship that only he and I have. I know Christ is real. Do you? I have a knowing that can only come through a oneness where the two shall become one flesh. That is knowing. And with Christ, what Paul was saying was, he said, my greatest desire for you He said, God would strengthen you. And then that strength would do this. And then that would do that. And that would do that. And he said, but ultimately, he said, all of that works so that you might know the love of Christ. Is your relationship with Christ one that has a private side. Think about it. Is your love for Christ something that goes deep within you? 
People say, I would, I would die for Christ. You know what makes people willing to die for Christ? Because they love them. In a, in a, in a way that only they could love them. You see, there ain't anybody in this room likely, right, that would die for my wife. But I would. There is a knowing there that is hers and mine. Oh, he said, what I want you to know is the love of Christ. You know what, I, I believe the apostle thought, if they just get to that place, they're going to be all right. I need you, I want you to know the love of Christ. And he said this, this knowing the love of Christ, he said it passeth knowledge. It passes knowledge. And he said, to know the love of Christ that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you understand how extraordinary a statement that is? It it literally goes beyond, it blows my mind to think about that one statement. What the apostle Paul was saying, Larry, is that if your absolute single focus is loving Christ, you know what's going to happen? The fullness of God will come to you. Is that not the most amazing promise you've ever heard? The fullness of God, friend, means there is no darkness at all. It means there is no doubt. There is no wondering. There is no falling. There is only, he said, when you love Christ, when you know the love of Christ in that intimate, holy way, He said, the fullness of God will come to you. What an astounding prayer. He said, well, all right, I'm going to close, right? Be encouraged. I'm going to close. You say, well, how in the world could he make such a statement? How many world and all of those wondrous things and every one of them literally blow my mind. But he said that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm just going to assume that maybe there's somebody among us right now that's saying, mm, I don't think you could do that. Let me read to you now verse 20. Paul says, Now unto him 
that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now, remind yourself where we started. Paul is asking God for them. He is asking them, he is asking God for them, for all of those things, right, that I just went through. And ultimately, to the mind-blowing promise that, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And you're sitting there thinking, what well, you know, that's impossible. And he says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that, that I, Paul, could ever ask or even think, according to the power that works in us. He said he can do it. Well, Paul says, oh yeah, God can do it. You mean the fullness of God? Oh yeah, God can do it. As a matter of fact, he said, God can do exceeding abundantly above that. Above anything I could ask for you. He can do it. He can do it. So if you think that, that, what, that, that the message tonight was some kind of pie in the sky, right, feel good kind of, no, what Paul's saying is this is real. He said, I'm referring to the one that can do all things. And when I ask him, I want you to know that he can do exceeding abundantly above anything I could ever ask. And I done told you what he asked. And it blows my mind what he asked. And yet what the Apostle Paul said, in verse, right? We like to pull verse 20 out, right? Don't we? Right? I got it highlighted in my Bible. You got it highlighted in yours, right? That's one of them good ones, right? When, when, when you really need a good, you just go Ephesians 3.20, right? We, we like to do that in like a bumper sticker. We'll stick it on a new car or a borrowed one, right? It don't matter. It's a good bumper sticker, right? Ephesians 3.20. But I want you to know what Ephesians 3.20 really is tied to. Right? You've got to go by the context of the Scripture to understand what the Apostle Paul is saying about Ephesians 3.20. Right? He wasn't saying that God will make sure you've got extra taters when you need them. No, it is way deeper than that. When the Apostle Paul wrote 3.20, brother, he was referring to 14 through 19, which were the most amazing, incredible, profound spiritual truths that you can grab a hold of. And that's what Paul was writing about. That God is able to do exceeding above any of what I've asked him to do, which are quite extraordinary. He said, God can do, God can do above that. I don't know about you, but I want some of verse 19. I want to be that way. I want to know the love of Christ in such a way that I'm filled with all the fullness of God. I'll be honest with you, there's a desire in my inner men for that. Paul said, I'm going to pray. I'm praying for you. 
bowing my knees before God, and I'm asking him that he'd grant you strength with might. Strength. By his Holy Spirit, strength in your inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts in faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend what is the depth and the height and the width and the length. But really, he said, to know the love of Christ, which passeth all knowledge of this world. No, to know the love of Christ, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what I'm praying for you. That's a, that's a pretty tall order, Paul. I don't believe God can do it. No, he said, he can Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think. He can do it. He can do it. We close with 21. You know what God, you know what Paul did then? <laughs> he thanked him. Right? Ain't that what we're supposed to do when we pray? When you've asked your petition unto God, believe it and just thank him. He said, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I know what you need. Same thing I need. I need strength with might. And that comes by the Spirit of God. That's what he said. The Spirit of God will administer that unto you. The Spirit of God will grant you according to the riches of his glory that strength. you believe that? I do. I believe that. I do not believe he'll fail you. He will grant you strength with might that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend east, west, north, south. That you'll know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge. And that you might be, full, might be filled with the fullness of God. He's able to do it. And unto him be all the glory. All the praise. In the church. Throughout all ages. Right? From now until a thousand years from now, if he doesn't come, to him be all the glory throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Come and get us all. Amen. Amen. Paul knew... Right, you you can read in the introductions to the Ephesians, Paul knew. He had a great pastor in Ephesus and and he he was here. He knew what was going on in Ephesus. When he prayed for him. He wrote it down. And he said to him in his letter of encouragement to the Ephesians, he said to them. Let me tell you what I'm praying. Let me tell you what I'm praying for you. Extraordinary. 
Incredible prayer. The expectation alone puts the supernatural in question because only God can do what he's asking for. But can he do it? Ah, exceeding abundantly above what I could ever ask or think. He can do it. Will he do it? I believe Paul believed with every part of his body that, yeah, he'll do it. You say, how do you know he believed it? Because he thanked him for it. Unto him be all the glory in the church. God's going to do it. God's going to strengthen you. We need to be praying for one another. Right? I'm not talking about them little prayers, right? Because that's what we normally pray is them little prayers. I'm talking about like that big one in Ephesians 3 I just read to you. That's a prayer now. That's some believing right there. That's some expecting of the supernatural to occur in the lives of his believers. Would you pray for me that way? I'm asking you to. Because I'll tell you, my inner man gets weak. And I want the fullness of God. I want it. Would you pray for me? I'm going to pray for you. He's taught me. I've been over it all morning weeping. He's taught me how to pray better. Ask bigger. Think grander according to the riches of his glory that I've never been able to comprehend. We need to pray. God can do above anything we could ever ask or think. Paul was praying for his brothers and his sisters in Christ. Let's pray for one another. Stand as we sing. If you're here tonight and you need to get right with God, I beg you to. Don't wait not another moment. But lay your burdens, your fears, your doubts, whatever it is that hinders you. If you've got sin in your life, doesn't make any difference. Matters not to me. What matters is that we all leave here ready to meet Christ. That we live in a way that is an example to the world. That the fullness of God dwells among us. That we know the love of Christ. If you're here and need Him, would you come?